Welcome, welcome, hello, uh, fucking Christ. The only podcast where the slightest hesitation means that you are lying. I am your host, Wang Rot, and I am joined here today by... Your upstairs neighbor wearing boots. Aren't we all? Aren't we? I actually, I kind of imagine that you've probably seen this movie, but I haven't, so let me know if... Uh, I mean, what makes you think I've seen it? I don't know, man. I don't know. It's kind of a trash movie. You're kind of a trash person. It seems like a match made in heaven. I mean, fair enough. The name of today's movie is Death Race 2000. Oh, this sounds very familiar, actually. There was a... So this is... Let me just be clear for you really fast. This was made in 1975, but there was like a bunch of a like a big revival for it in like the early 2000s i'm gonna try to not get a blur but i want to see the poster because i feel like i know what this is um i am unsure still if i know what this is but i feel like i definitely haven't seen it but i feel like i have come across it in discussions about mad max that's probably very true i'm always <laughs> I'm always uh, kind of impressed by how we will accidentally come across a movie that's like a big fucking deal in certain circles, and we will just have no clue. Did you know that uh, The Tingler is actually like a historically significant film? Is it? Yes, it is. <laughs> yeah, it's actually a big deal. I didn't know that, but I'm honestly not surprised. Can I, uh, can I bring up something here? Because, like, in the process of grabbing this poster here, I see two of the actors that I hope I'm looking at the same movie that you are. Uh, David Carradine and Sylvester Stallone? Yes. Phenomenal. I'm in love with it already. I'm going to share a story real quick that's incredibly insensitive, and feel free to cut this in its entirety. Sure. So, David Carradine is an early, like, American film, Tai Chi, and, like, kung fu dude when uh jackie chan was making his way into american hollywood david carradine was also doing that alongside uh you know chuck norris and the like so he he's got a pretty good rep and you know he ended up being in uh you know he's the old man in the kill bill series mm -hmm. uh so the insensitive part is that he i, I don't remember when but he died of autoerotic uh s Asphyxiation? Yes, asphyxiation, yes. And I just find that a particularly funny death for a kung fu master, personally. That is probably not as insensitive as you imagine it to be. I guess that's like a sad way to go. Like, we all masturbate, you know, that's a, that's a normal thing. It's kind of sad to have to die doing it, I guess. <laughs> But like, I don't know. It's sort of a silly thing. Who, 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 who knows? For David Carradine, my big like two cents for him is that uh, it's interesting you bring up like he was sort of coming up around the same time that Jackie Chan was gaining popularity in Hollywood and whatnot. David Carradine kind of screwed over Bruce Lee. And we don't know exactly how on purpose this was or if it was just one of those things where the studio screwed over Bruce Lee and then David Carradine got a role and was like, oh, wow, I got a role. How exciting. And never knew that he was screwing over Bruce Lee? We don't really know. But basically, Bruce Lee came to, like, studio executives and did his, like, elevator pitch for this, like, cool idea for a, it's like a western, but the guy does kung fu instead of, like, shooting people with guns, right? And he was pitching it for himself to play the starring role in it. He's like, it would be a cool way for me to, like, I would get to star in this, in this role. I already know all the kung fu. I'm, like, really good at all this. And so you wouldn't need to hire a stuntman. I could do my own stunts. The studio was basically like, nope, that's stupid. That's a stupid idea and we'll never make it and it'll never get made and it's dumb. And Bruce Lee was like, damn, okay, well, I guess I'll just kind of work from the ground up and, uh, you know, that'll be that'll be fine, I guess. I, I had this one shot and, and, and I blew it. And I, oh, 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 darn me. Poor sweet baby Bruce Lee just working really hard to try to get my, my big break in Hollywood. Dango. Sure enough, the television show Kung Fu comes out starring Dan David Carradine, like very shortly after that meeting. And it's literally the same show that uh, Bruce Lee pitched. Oh, shit. And it went on for three seasons. So clearly people really liked it. I don't know if Bruce Lee would have been super happy with the title Kung Fu. But like, that's probably, that might've been one of the things, you know, maybe in the meeting they were like, yeah, we could title it Kung Fu. Uh, don't you think that's kind of a stupid name? And they were like, get the fuck out. We'll never make this fucking show. <laughs> 
I don't know. But I'll, I'll go ahead and give you the blurb for the movie here if you want. Sure. In the dystopian future, the most popular sport is a deadly road race where teams earn points by logging the fastest time and mowing over the most innocent pedestrians in the process. And that's our that's our plot. Huh. Uh, I'll, I'll make the first big brain prediction here and I'll say that uh, the movie doesn't actually have any plot. It's literally just, hey, let's get together, let's race around and kill a bunch of pedestrians and go as fast as we can and it's not supposed to be about plot it's just like a the message of the film is sports are hyper sensationalized to the point where eventually we're going to get to this place where murdering people in broad daylight is just chill and that's supposed to be the theme of the film and there's not like a like an actual plot where they're trying to save the president or stop the the bad guys from doing the bad things it's literally just we're racing isn't this kind of fucked up is this based on a something else like a book or something it's based on a true story <laughs> no, no i have no i have no clue uh, uh i can i can try to poke around really fast it is adapted from the racer which is a short story so the first thing that came to mind for me was um you, you've seen uh the running man with arnold schwarzenegger right uh yes yes i have so have you read the running man the book no i have not it's an entirely different thing love um, that and so anyways uh that came to mind when you were describing this because when you're like oh there's you know no big plot with uh you know no big themes i'm like did it at one point have big themes? The Running Man with Arnold Schwarzenegger, the movie, was basically like American Gladiator, the movie. Mm -hmm. And The Running Man, the book, was about like, uh, I don't know, like 30 people that uh, had to keep running. And every now and then the last person would get shot. Well, I mean, like, you know, they could do something with this movie where it's like, uh, you know, maybe the, the government is like, you know, following this race. Maybe the race is just like constantly happening. The race has to constantly be going on. It's like a, the whole country has a circuit around it and it's just constantly going and your city or your you know state government let's say it's based on state has to provide racers and has to provide pit crew and, and gas and everything and if they don't they'll just like do something really fucked up to your your state and that's how like they keep different smaller local governments in line so they could they could do something with this the terrors and turmoils that come around because every state now has to constantly be training racers to get into this death race and if they don't maybe the, the their government doesn't get food and, and and money from the government or whatever but maybe it's more intense than that where they'll like kill their whole family or something who knows i imagine this is going to be something like bunraku where they give you the rules like this is why we have the race and then we never revisit it again <laughs> <laughs> Why did we start doing this race? Don't we already have sports that are like brutal enough? Speaking of sports that are brutal enough, I think we need a separate football league that's just people who are freely allowed to take steroids. <laughs> Well, I think that first we would need to eliminate all the steroids in the regular league because I think there would still be a lot of temptation to be like, oh man, I can't roll with those cats in the steroid leagues because those guys are woo. But uh, if I could get into the regular league and just take like a little bit of steroids, I could be a really good player. So anyways, it's a death race and they want you to hit pedestrians. Did I remember that correct? Yes. So my question for you is, does it matter what pedestrian you hit? Like if you hit the like the king of Prussia, is that like better or worse for your score? Ah. Maybe maybe that's what it is. Like these races aren't actually for like fun or entertainment or anything. They're secretly like the government's new way of doing assassination jobs. I mean, that'd be pretty funny. Where they highly incentivize like, oh yeah, we've got some celebrities in the audience. Oh look, the king of Britain. That's crazy. What's he doing here anyways? <laughs> He'd probably be worth a ton of points if you ran him over, I bet. Do you think it's going to be like Mad Max in that it, you know, they're racing through empty wilderness? Or do you think they're going to be like, and they've made it to New York and they're just hitting everybody in the, the crosswalks and next to Chicago? I think that would be really cool. I uh, sort of accidentally saw the budget for this movie. The, the budget for the film appears to be about $300,000. And I'm just like, oof. Oof. It's already a movie about cars, which inherently makes it more expensive. On its face, as soon as we're like, all right, we're going to make a movie. Cool. We got a low budget. It's not a lot of money. What are we going to make the movie about? And you're like, well, it's got to do with cars. Immediately, I'm just like, oh, please, God, no. 
My wallet! Is it 300000 in 1970-whatever money or today money? I, I'm going to say 1975 money. Now I'm curious. I don't even think that would be a million dollars in today money, but maybe it's maybe I'm severely misjudging it. Might be like a million and a half or something like that. But like even still, a million and a half is not a lot of money to be making a movie about fucking driving wacky cars, you know? Yeah, it'd be something like uh, 1.8 million, but yeah. You imagine, like, even the first Fast and Furious movie, like, for less than $2 million? Ooh, rough. Oh, for sure. I was watching a documentary on one of the Mad Max movies, and apparently it was just the biggest shit show in the world to film. Oh, yeah, I imagine. Mad Max was an, a very ambitious film. Yeah, the budget for the first Fast and the Furious movie was $38 million. Jesus. I'm just saying, like, having to buy multiple cars for a movie, very expensive process. Because you can't just, you can't just go like, this guy's car is just going to be a Toyota Corolla. It has to be like a wackier car than that. It has to be like something, something crazy. You have to buy like five at least, because something's going to go wrong or something's going to happen. It's going to get a ding in it. It's not going to look right and all the other shots, whatever the fuck. And especially a movie about like cars that are going fast and hitting people. Like, come on, you got to, you got to have like 19 different fucking versions versions of this car because any one little thing i think john cena put it best when he was talking about the transition from doing wwe wrestling to like hollywood movie productions where he's like yeah once you get into hollywood movie making and acting and everything there's like two or three months where you can't really do anything else because even the slightest you know you get like a bruise on your eye you know now you're you're in makeup for an additional like 20 minutes every day and that's taking away time and money from other people who this is their entire livelihood and it's hundreds of people working on this so the same thing but with cars now and you can't just have like a mechanic on standby to like buff out every issue and he's just you know doing this they have to kind of like we can have a mechanic on standby fixing up the cars and messing up the cars as is necessary but we we need to move faster than a mechanic can move a, a couple of notes on that because i imagine that the the cars that they chose for the fast and the furious were themselves ideal cars for example the the first fast and the furious paul walker there was driving a Toyota Supra. And I won't get super into it, but it's a, it's a really big, it's a really good platform for upgrades. I will say that you don't need that car to shoot a movie. You, uh, there's a thing called kit cars, and basically you get a, you know, a generic frame. You know, you can make one or you can buy one. And then you get this kit to basically just, you know, make the body look like whatever, you know, the, the car that you're trying to drive. And it's not actually that car, but the body looks like it. So I don't know how expensive it would because you know you're shooting a movie you don't actually need your supra to be doing 180 right so i don't i don't know i feel like it doesn't need to be as expensive unless they actually got those cars which is ridiculous for christine uh, a movie about a a killer car a car that would kill they did have to buy a lot of different cars some of which were this is the model that christine literally is and then some of them were like this is a model of a similar looking car and we'll just use it for the scenes where it's not like the full body of the vehicle you know yeah what kind of car was christine supposed to be because i remember it was an oldish one but like i want to say it's a chevelle one of them classier cars i can't remember myself but they had two different models for christine I, they might have had more than two and that was like one of the workarounds there's obviously going to be workarounds but they they bought a lot of different cars in order to shoot that movie just because they knew and i imagine this this movie is going to be very similar they knew that they were going to fuck that car up a lot that's insane to me and i don't know if that's just like hey this is you know a hollywood production we gotta kind of like slap this bad boy together speed is more important than uh how can we do this like the cheapest you know you, ha you have like have it fast you can have it cheap or you can have it good. uh yeah or you can have it good and hollywood wants it good and fast so right they've got you know a day on location they don't have time to like make a reasonable approximation of the car so it's better to either have exactly the car you need or a car that looks close enough and you can just do some fucky camera stuff with it that's like a such a huge thing too you're gonna come across problems when you're making film the answer a lot of the time is do fucky camera work just do fucky camera work <laughs> or close enough will do it you know those those types of like uh mantras that filmmakers have where it's just like ah eh, this is uh, about what we're looking for it's fine. C's get degrees. Sadly, uh, uh, I imagine perfectionists don't get far in uh, filmmaking, except for the, the few, like, very eclectic, specific examples. I mean, that's another phrase that it's pretty common, you know, perfect is the enemy of complete. Do you think that there will be any of that, like, rivalry between the different racers? Like, will there actually be, like, and this is 
Kit McGabbin, and Kit McGabbin's been racing for 30 years, and this is his final race, and he's going up against the newcomer, Craig Stevenson. Oh, Craig Stevenson from the wrong side of the tracks, and he doesn't race the way Kit McGabbin does because he has different ethics and values, and therefore they're diametrically opposed and hate one another. I, I do think there's going to be, like, a spoken story about that. It's going to be something like uh, main character Hero Man, his father was in the last death race and someone so mustache twirling villain killed him somehow but it's not going to affect anything realistically it's just going to be like ah i need to kill him extra dead compared to the rest of them i'm killing i really hope for this actually i'm gonna go ahead and predict this there's gonna be an unceremonious death where somebody just like you would think that this is like a character we're gonna care about you know they explain that like you know he's been given a charity for 30 years and he started a foundation for the the blind the deaf and the crippled Old, and he's just he's just such a helpful and wonderful guy they're like all right and, and we're about to start the race three two one flag waves cars start blasting off of the fucking the starting line and his car just explodes and he dies and we're they're just like oh no saint mick goodington just hella died and then they just move on i'm uh i'm hoping for some spy hunter bullshit where it's like magic oil slicks and uh little fucking javelins poking out the spokes of the wheels and shit like like, go-go gadget bullshit. Do you think we'll get, like, an announcer that, like, announces the things that are happening, or are they gonna forgo that for more of, like, a, uh, what do they call that show? Was it Knight Rider? Yep, with the car that talked. Yeah, and that was, like, more of the narration came from, sort of, the, the, the back and forth in the car between the guy and his car. I think the, the name of the car was Kit. Yeah, there's this old cartoon called Wacky Races that was, like, a Hanna-Barbera thing. Yeah, I love I'm, I'm hoping that there's some of that in there. Like, I don't know how serious this whole production's gonna be, but I'd like it if it leaned towards less than serious. So are, are you hoping that like the various racers will be like almost cartoon characters where they're like silly and goofy and over the top and they have like, oh no, it's St. McGoodington's classic Holy Cross that he holds up and it blinds the other racers and oh no, that that type of thing. Right, like something like Speed Racer where he's like, oh no, I'm gonna lose. And then it's like, no, your friends are cheering for you. It's like, yes, through the power of friendship, I found the last quarter inch of gas pedal. <laughs> The last quarter-inch gas pedal. You know, that's something somebody brought up to me, and I'm like, yeah, what the fuck's up with that? We're like, through the whole Fast and Furious series, it's like, oh no, he's about to beat me. I guess I'll use more gas? Why weren't you using that in the first place? <laughs> Yeah, it seems like more of the focus should be on, like, shifting effectively, and certainly that is an aspect of it. Like, they do show that, but, like, as an audience member, I don't understand, like, competitive shifting, I guess. <laughs> How is this? Why are you just now busting out the good, like, gear shifting as opposed to before where you weren't doing that? Yeah, I, I guess the majority of people will understand shifting a car less than, like, more gas. So I guess that's probably why they show it on screen. Like, Yeah, like, more gas requires no explanation other than, like, when you think about it retrospectively and you're like, a gas pedal only really works one way. Why wouldn't they just floor it? Right. And especially in a franchise that definitely uses the phrase floor it. It at some point maybe that was like a breakaway moment in uh god man if they did the prequels to the fast and the furious i would be way more interested in that maybe like at the end of the first fucking like prequel dominic hears somebody say floor it for the first time and he's like <gasps> damn that's a good idea just put the pedal all the way to the floor immediately why haven't i been doing that <laughs> Is Triple X part of the Fast and Furious franchise? Not yet. That's a good prediction right there. For some reason, when you said Triple X part of the Fast and Furious franchise, in my mind I thought Triple H. No, I don't. I don't think he's in it. Is he? Is Triple H in it? Could be. I wouldn't be surprised. They're getting all these wrestlers into movies nowadays, which I'm super on board for. But like Triple H and Fast and Furious doesn't seem like a thing that's happened. I feel like well, I would have heard of it. So, but they had Mike Tyson in the Ip Man series, so I'm not. I'm not against that either. <laughs> I'm on board for these things. I am in full support of Mike Tyson fighting Ip Man. I've been a big fan of Wacky Racers, and I think that I got into it the wrong way, because I think I started watching it as a result of that Scooby-Doo movie where Shaggy gets turned into a werewolf. Ah, uh, yeah. And he has, like, a girlfriend who's not part of the Scooby-Doo gang at all. I think her name was, like, Cookie or something like that. I don't remember it that well. Yeah, it's just some random blonde girl who, like, we never speak of ever again. He, like, goes to get his werewolf... His, his lycanthropy like reversed and Dracula's like 
fuck you, dude. And he's like, ah, oh, that sucks. Why are you being rude? And he's like, okay, you can race in my stupid shitty race thing. And if you win, I guess I'll unwerewolf you because I, as a vampire, have the ability to do that. But only if you win. And also I, I hate you and I'm kind of generally racist against humans, I think. I, I remember thinking that was kind of a thing in it. I don't know. But like then the rest of the movie is just wacky racers. And also Shaggy's bad at dating, question mark. Or maybe really good at dating. I don't know. Him and Kuki have like a thing where they go back and forth about that. I don't know. I realized the more I, I was talking there that I too don't have a great memory of this film. <laughs> I'm just kind of making it up as I go. I don't know. Uh, Dracula was a racist or something, or maybe Kooky and Shaggy were having dating problems, or I don't really remember what the fuck's going on in this movie. <laughs> I mean, it sounds like a good new Scooby-Doo movie. <laughs> We have gotten wildly off the rails here so many different times. It's really hard for me to judge if we're, like, getting close to that time or not because we have a good, like, 20 minutes of this shit that's completely unusable. Well, we're coming up on that time, I hope. I imagine. I don't fucking know, man. I have no clue what I'm doing out here. I'm really just slapping my titties up against the fucking microphone, hoping somebody claps. <sighs> Do you, uh, do you have anything else to add or, or take away? Or I'm still fascinated by the fact that like Arnold Schwarzenegger and uh, Kung Fu Jerkoff Man are both in this, and I'm fascinated to see them as young actors, you know? When you said Arnold Schwarzenegger just now, did you mean Sylvester Stallone? I did. I did mean that. I see. <laughs> they're basically the same person. Uh, yeah, they're interchangeable. They're both impossibly big macho men. I'm going to go ahead and predict we are not going to see Sylvester Stallone's face in this. He's going to be like, they're going to be like, yeah, he was in this movie. And he's going to be like in the background, six people back, or he'll be like doing something, but he'll have like a helmet on or something. And you can't tell that it's him. You think he's going to be the like final villain? I feel like he really wanted to be the hero in all his movies. No, I think he's literally just going to be like, there's going to be two dudes in like a car driving and both of them are going to have helmets on, but one of them will take his helmet off to talk and the other one won't. He'll be the other one. Like the first guy will be an actor who was like big in 1975 to some degree, you know, like not like huge but like oh yeah i know that guy he's from xyz blah 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 you know they're not big movies but they're movies and sylvester stallone in 1975 he's been in nothing fucking nothing this is another jack black and water world situation where it's like he's not gonna he might have one spoken line where he like turns to the camera and he's like okay boss and they're like eh, yeah okay your union card says you get one line per movie so i need to go back and see jack black and water world because i don't i haven't and i'm like I, i've heard you say the fact and i just don't know I am pretty sure he's just Guy Manning Machine Gun or some bullshit like that. But I can double check. Yep, Jack Black is credited as pilot in Waterworld. I'm not even certain he has a line. He might have like a line as he's like looking out the side of the door or whatever. And he's like, he's got one line and it's arg. Yeah, it's just something bullshit. It looks like he's in like an airplane or a helicopter or something like that. So I could see him like turning his head out the fucking window and saying like, oh, I get out of there, guys. No shit. Yeah, it's. It's clearly him, though. It's just that there's a lot of, like, he's wearing, like, a hat and, like, goggles and other shit. But you can tell, and they do credit him as pilot. Bastard. Yeah, so I think it's going to be another one of those situations where it's like, oh, Sylvester Stallone's in this. But, like, no, he's not. Not really. He's literally in it. But it's not, like, how we know Sylvester Stallone movies. Like, it's not fucking Rambo, you know? Right, his abs are in it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I could very much see this being a situation where it's like, this is a movie pre-Sylvester Stallone getting jacked. You know, like he's not like huge. He's just a regular looking dude. And they were like, oh, you want to get into acting? Yeah, we have like a role where you just kind of sit there in like a full body suit with a helmet on and you turn and say, yeah, boss. And he's like, yes, of course, please. Anything, anything at all. I'd love to act at all. That's funny as hell. Every actor has to like have that role where they turn and say, yeah, boss. Or they, sir, is there, would you like a, a refill on your water? You know, in a scene where Batman is talking to the Riddler at a restaurant or something and it's like very tense and the waiter comes up and he's like, can I, can I please have a line Mr. Director, sir? And he's like, yeah, just, just come up and say, uh, would you like a refill on your water, sir? You can't even see like the actor's face or head or anything. It's just like his torso and his hands that are in the frame. You can hear him saying, can I get you some water? And it's like, that was George Clooney who would go on later to play Batman. Oh my God. You always have one of those roles. It's, it's one of those things where interviewers will bring it up later. So, you know, your first role playing in the Adam West Batman TV series and George Clooney's like, oh my God, how did you guys know? And they're like, yeah, well, we did our research and we asked some directors and da 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 da. Well, uh, if there's no more uh, predictions here, we'll get into the movie. And Fair enough. I mean, it was a simple enough blurb. I'm hoping it's a simple enough movie. Yeah, we, we really get into trouble with this a lot where we're like, 
Oh, the blurb is basically just that there's a death race, which admittedly that kind of was the blurb here. And then we get into it and it's like this deep ass story about like the, the meaning of human life and how we should all cherish one another. And like the planet is like a sacred place and the government is this great, deep, dark shadow evil. And we're like, damn. Death Race did not need to go this hard. It's uh, Starship Troopers. Yeah, it's Starship Troopers. What's that about? Well, I don't know. There's like bugs in space and we got to go kill them. And then you watch the movie and it's like, oh God, we are terrible. Human beings are terrible. We we just cause wars for no reason. And we're killing these these poor innocent buggo boys. And the buggo boys didn't do nothing wrong. And they're terrified of us. And holy shit. <laughs> That's exactly, that is exactly what it is. Well, uh, we'll, we'll get into the movie here. So see for yourself. See, go to hell! All right, race fans, we are back! I think the first thing I just want to, uh, right out the gate, can we just appreciate how the movie like opens up with that very American patriotic music? So we know we're in America. This is set in America. And then they go into this like old dude kind of like droning on about how, oh yes, you know, our country, freedom and striking fear in the hearts of men. And I'm kind of like, oh God, like this is a weird kind of sad thing going on here. And then it immediately jumps to this zany like announcer character guy who's just like, well, hello, race fans yeah and i'm like finally yes this yeah, is our boy energy from that dude was just fucking <laughs> off the charts everything about him was just yelling at you his costume just screams at you you know it's these like hot pinks and these big crazy zany glasses and everything it's all very british very loud and just energetic and crazy Woo! you know i i loved that character and I, to be honest with you i see the striking similarities between him and my self as like a uh, a provocateur as like oh i've i've got to keep the energy high i've got to keep people interested i got to work really hard at this you know i i i see it you know he's he's basically the see for yourself host that i i am aspiring to be he's the type of person like fucking you know how sometimes you give someone the note like ah oh, we just we need a little more and so they're like ah louder is what i heard but like this this guy isn't that he's he was very much like more you want more fucking i'll give you more it's like he did uh we we complain about that sometimes where it's like we're always afraid an actor will hear like we need more from you and they'll just be like oh, okay you need louder he did that and also did more like he gave you louder <laughs> and more every time and they're like could you give us a little bit more quiet and he's like oh you want quiet all right i'll give you less then and they're like no 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 <laughs> <laughs> keep all the more all the high energy all the wacky zany antics we want that just maybe not as like loudly and he's like i can't do I, they're 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 mutually exclusive they have to they're the same loud and high energy they're the same in my mind <laughs> right if, if you want me to be quieter then uh we're, we're gonna get real dark and depressed all right quieter Oh, hello, race fans. <laughs> I'll introduce the first racer. <laughs> what I wanted to open up the, the floodgates with was that um, for all all the negging we do on the French people in general, we finally got a movie that's like, that was, that was the fucking scapegoat. It's like, oh man, a fucking... The rebels are fucking up the race. No, no, no. There's no rebels. It's the, uh, the French. It's the French. <laughs> I don't know if that's just a part of British comedy where they're like, all right, who's the, who's the bad guys? They had an opportunity in this film to make the Nazis the bad guys. And certainly the Nazi characters weren't like the good guys in this movie, but they weren't the bad guys. I mean, fucking as fu on a, on like a scale of good to bad guy, they were definitely like way in the good guy's side. Like, they were straight up like, oh, those lovable Nazis are the fucking, you know, fucking just making a uh, wordplay about it. And fucking, yeah, it's like they loved them. I think that that's such a good political, social commentary on the way that other countries view America. Like, America is so wishy-washy with, like, who's the bad guys and who's the good guys this week versus next week versus last week. I'm sure there's going to be some week any day now where the Nazis are the go- And look where we are. It turns out there's a whole section of our country that's like yeah nazis not so bad you guys 
<laughs> no, 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 no. Those weren't the real Nazis. Like actual. Like all right, buddy. Fucking. I. I feel like the the need to make that qualifier really fucks up your whatever argument you're making. But yeah, she was like a fun character. Like fucking. Um. When when she ran over so and so's coal pilot, or it's like her her catchphrase was like Blitzkrieg, and it's like just the she's. It was just lots of fun. That lady said Blitzkrieg every chance she got. She'd drink a soda and be like, Oh, what is this? And they're like, It's it's Diet Coke. And she's like, Blitzkrieg! <laughs> <laughs> She would just say it all the fucking time. I think I think if we pay attention to the movie, she only says it whenever she actually kills someone. But right, like... but like this, this like three times, and it's just the. Let's be fair, fucking. It's it's not like even that is an appropriate use of the word blitzkrieg. So I mean, fucking. I'm surprised she wasn't like shouting it during the during uh, like the little massage scene. Like, oh yeah, blitzkrieg right there. Honestly, I think I would like her character more if that was the only line she had was just Oh, that's good. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and now we have the Nazi driver rolling up on the track. He's like, Blitzkrieg! And then, you know, later, like, the guy that she's driving with is like, wow, do you really think it was a good idea to run over her her navigator like that? And she's like, Blitzkrieg! And I'm like, Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) Were you you surprised by how quickly they revealed that Frankenstein had no, like, facial deformity? And then... Like almost almost immediately after that, like first opportunity they get, they show that he has no physical deformities at all. Yeah, it, it took me a little bit there to like catch on that like the whole bit is that it's you know a facade or whatever. Cause yet yeah, like the first scene that we get that he's like, You wanna see the face? You wanna take the mask off? And she's like, I do. And she pulls the makeup off with the mask, and I'm like, there's no fucking way. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, and they left it in there. Wow, that's a choice. And then, yeah, fucking, I've got this note here where it's like, they're like, oh, is this uh, is this the arm that got replaced in Sweden? And they're like, yep, and, and my leg in 94 and my other leg in 95. And then he's like, no deformities whatsoever. So it's just like, yeah, it's just, we did such a good job that it, it almost looks like there there was no surgeries needed. So don't ask about it. Uh, you know, wasn't in the budget. And then I guess it's revealed that like he has no deformities except for the best fucking physical comedy in the movie when he takes off the glove and has a hand grenade. Yeah, uh, the hand grenade bit had me rolling. Probably the best joke in the movie, and they don't even, like, they don't milk it at all. They're literally like, yeah, I had this grenade placed in my hand to assassinate the president when we shake hands after the race. And they were just like, yep, that's, that is the thing you did. Is <laughs> that... <laughs> Oh, that's beautiful. <laughs> they just let that happen and gloss completely over it, let the rest of the movie roll. And I res- I respect that. <laughs> it would not have been out of place for them to, like, really ham it up. Like, it's a hand grit, like, like just staring at the camera and fucking... Yeah. For the record, this movie is an hour and 24 minutes long. If they had spent those six minutes just hamming it up about the hand grenade, I would not fault them. Oh, no. Fucking not at all. I'm going to I'm gonna yield it to you. You were right about Sylvester Stallone. I said he was just going to be like a guy sitting in the side of a car and you never even see his face and he's just in the movie, kind of. Nope. He's in the whole damn thing. And what a fucking character so i was gonna ask if this is like clearly for him to be like headlining on it for them to be like you know banking on that recognition was rambo made before this or something like that because i feel like that opening scene where he's like just fucking shooting his tommy gun into the into the crowd with the very rambo only using one side of his mouth to scream fucking face basically i'm asking did did rambo come uh johnny tommy gun man first of all we should keep in mind the first rambo movie is not titled Rambo. It is titled First Blood. Correct. And it, it came out in 82. Oh, so really Ram- the, the Rambo series is a ripoff of Death Race 2000. A little bit. And uh, Rocky came out in 76, which would be one year after this movie. Damn. So yeah, uh, the big movies that we know Sylvester Stallone for are not, uh, they they all come after this one. In describing like, hey, everybody has like those first movies where they're not really in them. They're just kind of like a background actor or whatever the hell even though Sylvester Stallone is like a huge part of this movie he's on screen pretty much all the time this is like one of his earlier performances I mean I get that because um, when I saw him and especially with him being like cast as the underdog I was expecting him to be the main character and he's kind of not like he is a main character in that you know there's there's like four racers and he's one of them there are five racers and he's one of them one of the racers just gets killed off very early <laughs> 
Right, yeah. But yeah, it's like you'd, you'd expect him to be the hero and he's like, he's he's not. He's like the angry underdog but every time he's on screen is just the best time ever. I gotta say, I fucking audibly guffawed when he like slugged that lady. Oh my god. I love their willingness to have him be like a truly villainous antagonistic force without being like the big bad because the big bad is government right like that's right that's the, the 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 president and like government like forcing people to like tolerate these races basically uh, hold on when i say tolerate these races i mean the death race <laughs> not uh... <laughs> oh god you know that, that uh, should be clarified <laughs> it, you know sometimes uh I'll see these videos on YouTube that's like, oh, such and such out of context. And it's like, that's going to make the supercut right there. <laughs> I should I should give another take of it where I'm like tolerating these races. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I I wasn't sure at what point to bring that up. But yeah, I went into this expecting, you know, this was going to be a uh, speed racer or, or, you know, wacky races. And, and um, you know, it was just going to be a like a big old fucking fun time without diving really hard into it like without a whole bunch of uh exposition there we find out that america is in a fucking rough spot like they just casually drop the line that's like oh you know if we go through here it's where all the old congressmen are fucking chained up and it's like what and yeah come to find out america has become this authoritarian i i like how they specifically target a lot of people that we kind of see as like you know no one should ever kill these people like religious figureheads doctors nurses, uh, children, wives, husbands, all, they get mowed down just like the like goofy people playing chicken with cars in the road, you know? And I think that that's like cool of the film to choose to do that. Like it really shows how far things have gone where it's like, wow, he was gonna, you know, run over these geriatric old people who are like on death's door and they get lined up for him to get a bunch of free points. For euthanasia day. Like that's a, it's a day. Yeah. And like that would be one of the first things that would seem like like a I'm not saying that's like a good thing to do but like I don't know if you just if you just were so old that you wanted to die and you wanted to die in kind of like a, a cool way for a sport that you really like that wouldn't be the worst way to go and for him to be like no nah, I'm not going to kill these old people who have signed up to be like euthanized basically no instead I'm going to kill all these doctors and nurses that like set them out there and then the crowd like likes that they're like yeah that's a that was a cool move on Frankenstein's behalf cool cool what the fuck? And they do the same thing when he kills that, like, religious speaker guy. So at some point in the movie, somebody says something like, this isn't the time for violence. And it's I was just sitting here thinking, like, what do you mean? This is exactly the time for violence. There are a lot of, like, weird lines throughout the film. Like, uh, oh, God. When they, when they start up after taking the first break, they have, like, two different points where they take a break and they have the massage and the sex scene and everything, which seems a little gratuitous to me that they even did that. Like, it's a movie about racing why do we have like two separate sex scenes and two separate like naked massage jesus fucking christ but uh uh after the first one one character says where are you going immediately after that maybe like one line after that another character says where are you going in like almost the same it's crazy there are a couple of moments like this throughout the film where the writing just kind of wasn't there like you know how like you'll be writing and you'll be like all right yeah so i'm gonna call the guy an ugly bastard and then in the same sentence you'll say get this bastard out of here no, you can't use bastard twice like that. That's like bad writing, you know? And I think that uh, this movie has a couple of those problems where it just needed a, another read through of the script for somebody to be like, oh yeah, you, you did this and that's not great. There was at least one time where I was wondering if it was part of the script or part of just like Stallone fucking ad-libbing when they're like at the second stop and basically the same scene where he breaks the violin. And I thought it was funny to just have him like being covered in like, I guess the clam sauce or whatever, just having on top of the villain he's also a sloppy eater and that but, but yeah the bit where he's like oh yeah well i got i got my hands on the clam sauce buddy and like just throws it at the dude and i'm like that felt like not the cleanest execution <laughs> of that line i i wonder i wondered if that was one of those lines where at the time it was topical oh yeah like, fuck, I, d I didn't even know what he was eating. Like, if he hadn't said clam sauce, I'm like, why is everybody just chowing down on bowls of sour cream? Like, fucking... Again, I love every scene with, with Stallone in it. He's just fucking over-the-top raging lunatic just a little just a little visual gag that i happen to really like fucking um the street crossing sign going from don't walk to run that was fun <laughs> yeah that's good that's a good uh, one fucking but yeah it's like i 
again, I was just so shocked with like, I, I wasn't expecting there to be anything smart about the movie. And just like, it just kept on having commentary on shit that fucking mattered, you know? People think that there are some topics that you just can't approach in a fun way. Right. Bo both intelligently and fun. It's just not true. Like, there's no such thing as an impossible task when it comes to writing. Oh god, what is it? Rumiko Takahashi. Probably one of the greatest writers of all time. We've talked about her a few times in the past, and she wrote this, uh, she wrote this story, Ranma One Half. It's about a boy who, whenever water gets dumped on him, he turns into a girl, and then if it's, I think it's like, hot water gets dumped on him, he turns into a boy. Cold water gets dumped on him, he turns into a girl uh, something like that basically it's about him like struggling through going through different things both as a boy and as a girl and experiencing them two different ways and how things are sometimes harder for boys or easier for girls or vice versa and basically Rumiko Takahashi found a way to talk about transgender identity politics and issues and things in a fun and exciting way because the whole show is really funny and wacky and zany and it's got some cool fight scenes and stuff because the boy is like a uh he's training to become like a martial arts expert. That's like a fun part of it. But uh, I feel the same way about Ronda One Half that I feel about Death Race 2000, where it's like they wanted to talk about American hyperviolence and like the crazy degree of fetishism that we have towards sports and the way that our government influences even our entertainment and, and vice versa. And they found a really fun and stupid and goofy, wacky way to cover that. It's also kind of makes you think about these things, you know? Oh, for sure like we open up to a very american centric like they're talking about how it's it's an intercontinental world race they're just driving from fucking new york to california at no point did they cross a continent at no point was it a world race i don't know i i think that's an interesting thing you know when we talk about like the world championship series and it's just like now it's the 16 teams in america yeah i was i was hoping for more of those i'm gonna mention it because it's our most popular episode more of those sort of like miniature vignettes kind of like they had in uh like they had in Bunraku the car chase scene in Bunraku had these you know where they're like just using like a little toy car instead of a real car but it gets right. like the idea across you know I was hoping for more of that in this movie and there was zero of it none of it these are all real cars on the real road obviously I understand that movie magic is just kind of yeah we have a car in a studio that's not driving anywhere but we have a, a fan blowing so it looks like their hair's blowing in the wind our audio engineers make it sound like the engine's running but it's not I mean, I do feel like the cars were on the road. I think they may have, uh, you know, sped up the footage or whatnot for safe driving practices or whatever. But yeah, a lot of it is going to be a mix, you know, but because not every scene is going to be live footage of them on the road. That would be wildly ex expensive and impractical. Probably a lot more than what would be done today, especially in 1975. They used a lot more practical effects and a lot more. We're just going to shoot this as it literally happens. But there were definitely some shots that were like clearly in a studio somewhere. All, all I mean to say is that... Uh, I don't know. I think we could have done the intercontinental idea and it would have just been like, all right, we're just going to have like a couple of miniature race cars driving by a miniature figurine of the Statue of Liberty or the Eiffel Tower or the, you know, whatever. Oh, they're driving through Paris. Look. And then miniatures, you know, and that's how you do that shot cheaply. That would be fun. I'm all for whenever I see the use of miniatures in a movie, I'm always super enthusiastic about it. Even if it's done very poorly, I'm always like, yes, yes, play with your toys, but on, but for millions of dollars, million dollar <laughs> toys, go, go, go. I love the design of all the cars and it just kind of felt like uh, there wasn't a huge payoff for it, you know? Like they were, they were just iconic and easily distinguishable, but you know, like at no point does the, the two Tommy guns sticking out of fucking Machine Gun Joe's car. They don't ever get fired. And the big old fucking bayonet hanging out the front of it. Like, really, that only ends up in a payoff when it's like um, him and Frankenstein are having their, their fisticuff scene and he's like, oh no, I'm gonna get stabbed by car knife. And then he doesn't. I do like that David Carradine didn't pull out any sick kung fu moves. He's just, I'm Frankenstein. I'm a capable fighter for whatever reason and I'm just gonna beat the shit out of, what was his name? Joe? McTurbo? Machine Gun Joe? Something like oh, that? Oh, yeah. Uh, Viterbo. Yeah, Machine Gun Joe Viterbo. What a fucking name. That was another thing. A lot of the names for these characters are fucking cool. Right. Joe Viterbo. Matilda the Hun. Yes, Matilda the Hun. I don't know why that name is so cool, but it is! <laughs> they did do the thing where this is set in the year 2000 and like... <laughs> I'd, yeah, God, yeah, the dystopian future of 2000, and it's like, oh, God, I love that. 
I love that. Are you ready for the part of the the podcast where I just give you strange facts that you did not know? I love that part. Would you care to guess the budget for the film? Oh, God. They had to have, like, a huge budget for this, right? Yeah, yeah, sure. In $1970, $900,000. Ooh, so close and yet so far, my sweet summer child. $300,000. Really? Okay. All right. I like how you didn't go into the millions territory. Do you care to know how much it made in, in the box office? Like we're talking about like opening weekend type shit? No, no, no. This is this is box office. So this is like as long as they were tracking how much it made. So probably the entire theatrical run. Okay. Two million. Five to eight million. We're unsure on the exact details here, but five to eight. I mean, I believe it. I'm surprised the budget was that low. I mean, I'm sure the cars were just fucking like paper mache shells over go-karts. So maybe, maybe i'm overestimating that but like they had fucking big explosions so i mean i i imagine that those don't always fucking go without a hitch first take tries and they had planes that exploded in this so like that's really expensive no matter how you fucking hash it a plane is an expensive prop right do you know who directed this uh I'll go ahead and give you a name. That way you can tell me. Paul Bartell. Do you know do you know him? Do you know what he looks like? No, you know? no not a, I don't I don't know who this is. Yes, you do. <laughs> do I? He was in the movie. God damn it. Was he the rebel man that flew the plane? No, 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 no. He obviously really liked the character of Frankenstein. So I'll just that's my hint. You have another guess? He's only in one scene. He's only in one scene. Is he the president? No, no, I, I like that guess, but uh, he was the doctor that introduced Frankenstein. Oh, okay. Yep, the one who's like, oh, he should be coming to any moment now. And then he literally sits up. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I love that. I also loved the, uh, I, I, I don't remember her name. She was one of the other announcer people, or she was maybe like an interviewer or a reporter oh, or something. yeah, so I wanted to bring up her, her name because I forget her first name but her last name is pander grace pander grace pander which i don't know if that's more commentary that they just like snuck in there about uh you know pandering to your audience or whatever mm, maybe oh my god what uh nero the hero who who is a character that i don't remember in this movie but he was played by the guy who ran the cobra kai dojo in karate kid no shit yeah uh nero the hero was the first one to get blown up by the baby bomb that makes sense because uh nero is a Greek. He was a philosopher, Nero was, right? My understanding is he was a Roman leader who famously played the violin while his city burned. Okay, well, maybe just a lot of people who are philosophical attribute things to him. I don't know. But yeah, he was he was a figure and he had all that, the, the green, uh, what do you call that stuff? right around his ears that was his like thing oh yeah the the laurels yeah yeah that was that was on his helmet but yeah he he played that character that's cool but uh pander i have problems with her character because she sexualizes like everything and obviously this movie is very sexy for no fucking reason but she just added to that a lot oh for sure every chance she got she would be like sexy sex stuff God, they did that to, what is her name? Carnage, or not Carnage, it's, I can't remember her. Calamity Jane, not Carnage Jane. Ah, uh, yes, Calamity Jane. She gets introduced and they're like, oh yeah, she's on the lookout for like lovers or something. And then her first line is literally like, oh yeah, well, I might not be racing much anymore as soon as I find a good man or some shit like that. Or as soon as I, if, if my luck with my lovers like keeps up, ha ha ha. And I'm like, can she just be like a lady racer who's just like fucking here? Like she doesn't have to talk about how she has sex with men or she... Like, has lovers or she's romantic in any way? What? Yeah, I mean, I thought, like, it was their pass at trying to do the female empowerment thing because she was talking about how, like, her navigator, like, oh, yeah, he, he's not going to be doing much navigating because I'm going to be doing the sex to him. And it's like, all right, I feel like there was a missed opportunity there with, you know, the fucking theming of her uh, rodeo bull car and, like, her cowboy outfit. And it's like, God, what would a what would a cowgirl uh sex she does the sex and it's like all right yeah i don't that's probably my least favorite character because even even nero was kind of like uh bold and haughty and like uh and then fucking he had uh cleopatra beside him who was like giving him the business every time he was like oh you're in the way my fans want to see me and they're like she's like what they haven't seen a has-been before yeah that's a pretty good one they did have a line where they mentioned the like connection between calamity jane and her vehicle being named the bull but i didn't understand 
understand the joke. I think I missed it. It's something like when they call you the bull, they're only half right. Oh, because uh, yeah, something something bullshit. Yeah, I, I guess maybe it's something like that. I I, I just I feel like that line could have again. It's one of those points where I'm like they could have workshopped this line a little bit, make it more clear. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I think that they they were just like ah, people are gonna come see Stallone in a death race. So like, well, no, the the big draw for this movie is David Carradine. Oh, that's right, because Stallone is like basically unknown at this point. Yeah, he's been in like maybe one other thing. David Carradine has been in shit. That's why when the movie opens, it's David Carradine in Death Race 2000. So like, that's how you know this is what people are coming for. Stallone is definitely like uh, the second main character. Yes, I agree. It's it's either him or it's uh, Annie Smith. What a fucking lame name. Right. Next to fucking Cleopatra and Calamity Jane and even Grace Pander is a cooler name than that. Right. But yeah, Annie is probably the next biggest character in the lineup, which is nice to have like a, a female lead, but it's shitty that her character is basically just like, yep, I'm here to perform the job that I have been given. And the job I've been given is have sex with the driver and tell him where to go. She does get to drive at one point, so that's kind of cool, but that's like as cool as they're willing to be with her, you know? <laughs> right. Uh, I also don't like how the movie ends with her getting married. I definitely think that, like... Something screams to me that this that this movie was put together and they were just like, yeah, it's going to be a death race. It's like, how does it end? Uh, he kills the president and so becomes the president. And, and then that's the last race. And it's like, I, I feel like when he's fighting for the liberties of America, staging a coup is perhaps not like the best way to have done that. I think it would have been a lot cooler for, you know, them to have killed the president and then and, and either the lady running the revolution, Annie's mom or Annie herself becomes president and we don't need the marriage scene at all it can just be like implied or there could even be a line where it's like oh annie our first you know a uh, woman president and, and which by the way would be wildly optimistic for this 1975 movie oh yeah <laughs> in the year 2000 <laughs> <laughs> but um annie gets to be the president and then there's like an implication that frankenstein is her first you know man or first what's the version of lady but for guys is it the first guy first gentleman first yeah ladies and gentlemen so first gentleman and that could have been cool and a cool way to like actually empower women at the ending that doesn't change the ending at all actually <laughs> like the ending still effectively can be the same i do like how they the last kill of the movie is the announcer guy i think that's great i love that <laughs> He's outlived his usefulness, and so they've killed him. And I, I love how he dies, like, arguing, like, no, we gotta bring the races back, please! <laughs> I know, I did like that. Man, when you've got a cushy gig, man, you are willing to die for that shit. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I keep uh, demanding you come back onto this podcast, because, you know, it's such a cushy gig. <laughs> oh, God. There's gonna be a day when, like, you know, 25 years down the line... <laughs> In the year 2050, when people are like, yeah, the super famous See For Yourself podcast that everybody listens to all the time. Uh, and people bitch and moan about the different hot takes that they have. And oh man, they, they, those, mm, he said, tolerate races that time. I don't know. They'll look back on these lines where I say things like that. Like, it's such a cushy gig working for See For Yourself. And they'll actually think that like, we're getting paid for this shit. And it's a cushy gig. And it's such a wonderful life that we're living. Oh, Lord have mercy. I feel like I've been doing a bad job of I realized this you know even in the preamble when I mentioned that uh the tingler is actually like a significant film in film history I I started thinking about it and I'm like damn I am kind of bad at uh finding us movies that are like oh yeah no one's ever fucking heard of this and no one ever will fucking hear about it well, that's like one of the jokes we like to make is like oh no one's ever heard of this movie but like nope it turns out death race 2000 is like a huge movie in like film lover circles like people love this movie it just happens to be one that you and I are ignorant about I mean uh I I don't know i i feel like this is is this really like one of those cult classics or whatever because I, I feel like this would be very like a very popular movie yeah it's it's like a cult classic not a lot of people are like super fucking into this movie but like the people who are aware of it love it mm, okay it's probably on the more popular side of cult classics but it is like it does if we did like a what do they call it like an iceberg tier list or whatever the fuck right it would be like one of the ones where we're just getting underneath the water but like it is under the water. 
It's not okay. in the public view. Oh, that's fair. And obviously that's, you know, the, the problem with these iceberg tier lists is the more ingratiated you get into that thing, the more your tier list becomes away from what most people experience, right? So if you're like a real hardcore person, you know, that's like really hardcore into obscure films and whatnot, you're going to be like, yeah, Death Race 2000 is like at the top of the, of the iceberg where everyone can see it and everybody knows about it. But like, that's just not accurate to the lame who's like, yeah, I watch films sometimes. You know what I mean? And that's kind of our, more our demographic than the people who are like, I love obscure movies. I watch all these crazy weird movies that nobody's ever heard of. Meet the Feebles is one of my favorites, you know? Even Meet the Feebles is one of those that people know about. I mean, I don't know about it. It was like one of Peter Jackson's first, it's not a popular movie, but it's like a feature film and it's competently made. And it's just really fucking weird. And then to find out that Peter Jackson goes on to make the Lord of the Rings like trilogy and that's considered a masterpiece and his first movie was like, what if the Muppets all did crack and had sex and gave each other VD? Love it. That's basically Meet the Feebles. I would I would invite you to watch it for this podcast, but I, I just don't love the movie <laughs> myself, like personally. I think it's wacky and, and zany and the kind of thing that you might even enjoy, but I don't. <laughs> That's fair. I mean, I'm definitely curious about it. We've gotten way off topic here, and I'm not sure. I have no clue. Speaking of cool bits, I really liked that the bowl got the, like, the matador scene with the, the random pedestrian. I know. I fucking... They really had fun with how some of these people died. Like the people playing chicken. Yes, I was gonna bring up the people playing chicken. It's fucking... I don't know. It's just... It's a lot of fun. There were there were some that were, like, more sad, though. Like, the, the young girl who came up and was like, I just I just wanted it to be special, so I I wanted to meet you and, and and tell you that I'm like, I'm going to offer myself up to you to like prove my love. And Frankenstein's like, so you're trying to fuck or not? And she's like, no, 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 I wouldn't do that. But like, I'm going to die for you. <laughs> I was kind of glad that they had that scene where, um, Grace Panders like interviewing the the widow the, the widow because it's like um, I don't know I just I thought that was a really neat take on it because you know when you when you see these like uh, slaughter movies and shit like that you know typically people don't think about we're leaving children and wives behind <laughs> exactly so I just I thought that was great and also for them to be like and you'll be watching next year's race in Cabo and fucking like all right <laughs> wow my my husband died and now. Now I get to go to Cabo. Great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love I love that commentary on it. That really is how it is, you know? Like, there's no way you can possibly compensate someone enough for losing a loved one on a stupid fucking sports game. Right. God, I remember having a conversation with somebody. It was about a conversation they had had with somebody who was, like, dying of cancer or something like that. B basically, the, the take there was someone was, people don't know how to fucking interface with grief so well so when um this kid's like basically not gonna see his 18th birthday and they're like ah oh, at least you got to go to disney world and it's like oh yeah fucking you know and meeting spider-man fucking that was that was definitely worth not getting to see my fucking adulthood yeah yeah super fucked up man on the on the note of you know we were earlier talking about how they had fun with the different kills i i did really like specifically the practical effects when they like ran over the manhole cover with the two dudes underneath it right. i thought that that like that explosion of like blood at when they run it over it looked really good but more to the point if death race 2000 came out today i know for a fact there would be so much discussion on like what no frankenstein we can't pull over and swap seats we have to win this race we have to finish quickly and that's like part of the scoring so we can't do that or oh i can't pull over to do this matador thing with this guy because we have to think about the rules that we've put in place for this movie and like that's such a big part of like i don't know like i guess it's because of those like youtube channels that are like oh this movie said that like a big part of how they're scored is finishing the race in a timely manner and like they fuck off and just do weird things that are like not part of finishing as quickly as possible to get more points that's stupid and i hate this movie because of it it ruined my immersion this movie does not care about that right like they, they definitely don't spend any time like giving you the fucking they act like they're giving you the rules where it's like we're just gonna go over some of the changes old people are now worth more points and and blah 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 and it's like dope i really think that scene was just there to be like we don't give a fuck who you kill yeah at one point they're like joe viterbo's got so many points he could come in second but like nobody's telling us like how the points are weighted versus showing up first and also like we have 12 hour intermissions three times 
throughout the race. So it's like, I don't think the movie cares about the rules of the race so much. It's just like, this is the stage with which we will play our gratuitous violence on. For me, the here are the rules changes, and this is how the points are affected, and we've changed the scaling of the points. I think that was supposed to strictly be like a political commentary on how we've just boiled down human worth to points for a race, you know what I mean? Human lives are just boiled down into points for a race, you know? And like, if you're old, you're not worth as much. If you're young, you're not worth as much. Unless you're really young, and then you're worth a lot more. It's just a commentary on how we value people. Women are worth more than men, but like, not significantly more. That's kind of how I viewed it. I don't think that it was supposed to be for us to like, criticize like, well, I can't believe Frankenstein would run over those doctors. They're not worth nearly as many points as the old people. Old people are worth more points. Why wouldn't they just hit the old people? What an idiot Frankenstein is. It ruined my immersion. That's the kind of shit like a modern criticism on a wacky fucking stupid ass YouTube channel would claim about the movie. I don't know why I'm being so hard up on them. I'm sure I'm sure those YouTube channels are like, those idiot podcasters always being so enthusiastic about everything about a movie. The practical effects didn't look that good. Ugh. <laughs> you know what? That's what we'll do. We'll make a YouTube channel where we just cr hyper fucking criticize every little thing about a movie and then we bitch about podcasters who are just so enthusiastic about everything. That's what we'll do. That's our next move. God, there was so much unnecessary nudity. It's literally just like there. We talk about this pretty frequently where we're like, there's good nudity and there's bad nudity and like, how do you know the difference? When is it good? When is it like, you know, unnecessary and bad? And, like, you know. and I will say that maybe this movie was trying to do it the good way where it's just like, hey these are just naked people and that's fine but the problem is all of the dudes always have like that like perfect amount of coverage where they're like oh no you, you can't even see the suggestion of uh male genitals Ooh. but like the women are always like oh no my boobies and my butt are always in frame somehow at the same time <laughs> <laughs> it's just frustrating like if we're just gonna do a movie where like hey it's the year 2000 people are pretty unashamed of their bodies at this point except the men the men are very ashamed and must always have a towel on <laughs> i don't get it because i like that aspiration for the future you know i like the idea that like one day we will become you know such a free and sexually non-repressed sexually liberal sexually open-minded society that we can just say yeah we can just be naked in front of each other and nobody is like whoa that's a that's that's a body part I didn't want to see. Like, it's just fine. They're just body parts. Everybody has a body. We shouldn't be ashamed of them. I like that aspiration for the future. Will we ever get there? Probably not. Oh, yeah, probably not. But yeah, I, I, don't, I think it was just like, you know, fucking we've, we've got titties on display uh, because we can. And $300,000, not like a low, low budget movie, but it is still a, a budget film. And, and so, you know, these are the hallmarks of a budget movie, right? Like, we got to have nudity in there. We got to have violence. We got to have, we got to make this movie like worthwhile watching for people make it sensational make it exciting and how do we do that you know include a lot of kills a lot of gore and a lot of naked ladies and and absolutely no naked men every naked man takes 10 million dollars off of the box office exactly <laughs> one one sylvester stallone testicle on on screen and that's we have to pay two million dollars to put this movie in theaters <laughs> they take two million dollars from us i don't know it's it's one of those things where like it's kind of fun but the more you think about it you're like that's fucking weird <laughs> I also thought it was kind of weird that Frankenstein's car was just like a lizard. Yeah, like, <laughs> I, I was wondering, like, fucking, they couldn't have done, I don't know, was Frankenstein fucking covered under, like, did somebody have a copyright on fucking Frankenstein or something like that? Because I just didn't understand why they didn't have, you know, the bolts, come like, he had the bolts coming out of his helmet, so I, I don't know why he had to be the lizard. Yeah, even if they just gave him, like, a black car, it would have been like, oh, okay, because he's wearing that, like, black leather full body suit. It makes sense that at some point he would just be like, yeah, just make my car, like, a black car. Fuck it. Maybe put, like, a skull on the front or something to be kind of, like, badass and, like, you know, flashy like the other cars are, but like not overdone. Frankenstein as a character seems kind of like toned down, especially compared to everybody else. He's sort of just like very serious. And I can't tell if that's just like them telling him like, hey, you're supposed to be like the straight man to everybody else's wacky zany characters. Or if like David Carradine's just like, yeah, Sylvester Stallone is like, he's acting it up. He's hamming it up. I'm not gonna try to fight fire with fire here, you know? <laughs> Maybe that's like his personal acting choice. I have no clue. When you're, when you're dealing with 
budget production. You kind of just let it happen. Whatever the actors want to do, that's what we're going to do because we don't have a whole lot of time to fine tune this. But hey, uh, we are kind of coming up on that time. Do you have any uh, any last remarks you'd like to make about the movie or, or last thoughts you had? Or um, remember, remember the part where Sylvester Stallone is so pissed off at the crowd for cheering for Frankenstein, he pulls out a gun and wildly fires it into the air right. in public. <laughs> I love that there's just that animosity throughout the whole film. Like, fucking, uh, they get to that one bit where it's, uh, they're hanging the welcome Frankenstein. He's like, hey, where's my welcome Joe Viterbo fucking banner? And then, uh, he leaves the, the guy's death up to his coworker. And I'm like, what the fuck? And the coworker's like, yeah, tell him. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> fuck that guy. <laughs> oh, God. That's how this podcast is going to end. <laughs> The first annual death race. And me and you are putting up the banner for some reason. They're like, yeah, they covered it for their podcast. We'll hire them to do it. And we'll be like, please, we need the money. <laughs> you and I will be putting up the banner. And I'll be like, well, you're better with, you know, this handyman stuff. I'm just kind of the, the pretty face. And you'll be like, okay, I'll climb up there. And, you know, Joe Viterbo will drive by. You know, Steve McSpeedy Kill will drive by. <laughs> And he'll be like, where's my Steve McSpeedy kill sign? And then he'll like, have you, you know, dead to rights? And he'll be like, well, what do you think, Mr. C for yourself? What do you think I should do with this guy? And I'll be like, yeah, kill him. <laughs> <laughs> Go out in a blaze of glory, you know, the way God intended. <laughs> Uh, I liked how Matilda the Hun's uh, navigator kind of gave me those vibes of uh, uh, the guy who played the dad in Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Yeah, I thought that was like mostly for the bit there where um, I guess Calamity Jane comes up and and like, I don't know, I, I forget the euphemism was so bad that like I forget it. But yeah, he, she's like uh, Calamity Jane is basically uh, likening the guy who looks like Rick Moranis. They mention how their engine is like some special engine. It's like the buzzer beater or the, the biff bomber or the something something right. it's like a nice alliteration i think it has bomber at the end and she's you know looking at him suggestively and saying i hope your buzzer beater has more juice in it this year than last year and he looks down at his pants and he's like oh oh it does i don't know of all of the sex jokes in the movie i think that one was the one that landed the best for me because it's it's like if you're just listening to it it sounds like she's talking legitimately about his his car being faster than it was last year but the visual comedy in it sells the sexual aspect of it. And I think that that's, that's the way I like these jokes to be written, where it's just like a normal line on, on the script, but the performance and the, the physical comedy of it is what sells the, the innuendo. That's my preference for innuendo-fueled humor. Mm. But I guess, you know, if that's uh, if that's the end of the episode, that's the end of the episode. I, I kind of feel like I, I gotta watch all the Death Race movies after watching There's this more one. Death Race movies? There is a direct sequel to this movie do you want to know no, what it's called uh death race 3000 oh so close and yet so far death race 2050 <laughs> Really? Sure. Okay. They did 25 years into the future the first time. They were like, you know what? For the next one, we'll go 50 years. We'll double up on it. <laughs> Shit. All right. I can, you know, just for fun, you know, we'll probably cut this part out, but I can look to see if they had uh, the same director. Different director, though. Mm -mm, mm -mm. Bad um, form. Bad form. Yep. Should have brought back the first guy. Come on. Right. How are you going to miss like that? Mm-hmm. Hold on, because this Death Race 2050 came out in 2017, so maybe they didn't have an opportunity to get the other guy. It's probably going to end up being one of those things where, like, they want to capitalize on something there, and they don't know what the fucking, what the formula is. Yeah, and Paul Bartel died in uh, the year 2000, which is kind of harrowing, hmm. since that's when his movie took place. I'm, I'm just saying. I'm not saying, I'm not saying, but I'm saying. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I, th I, hear, I hear what you're saying. And uh, I would have said it. Well, with that said, or not said, with what has been said being said, we'll just go ahead and call it a day here, and uh, and that'll be the end of this episode. Uh, well, all right. I guess that's it. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. They had that line where they introduce Frankenstein, and they say he's been creamed and reamed. What the fuck? Oh, God. I forgot about that. Jesus Christ! <laughs> I mean, clearly this is another thing where it's like, at the time, I, you know, fucking, uh, I'm sure it didn't mean quite, you know, fucking, everybody was, uh, like, asexual back then, right? Like, nobody talked about that shit. Stop, 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 stop. We already ended the episode, episode Upstairs Neighbor with boots on. You, we can't, the boots. we can't talk anymore. We can't talk anymore. It's already over. It's already over. God, God damn it. Well, fake, fake we missed our chance. We missed our opportunity. It's all, it's all <laughs> ruined. We're, 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 it's fucked. <laughs>
Yes, through the power of friendship, I found the last quarter inch of gas pedal. 